You are listening to A Bigger Life, a podcast by The Crossing on how to live into God's bigger story. Hi, welcome back to another edition of A Bigger Life. I want to look at Psalm 33 today. Um, And I'm going to try it again the way we did it last episode, where I just sort of pray on the way through it and don't have two separate things where we meditate and then pray. But having said that, I'm going to break my rule because the first three verses I just want to mention because they're verses that help us understand what we're doing in a worship service when it comes to music. A lot of times people think there's a spiritual kind of music um, and that the focus should be on the singing And that when the focus becomes on the instruments, that we're doing something more cultural than spirit-filled. And I think Psalm 33 would beg to differ. And there are other psalms that talk this way as well. And the first three verses say, shout for joy in the Lord. So shouting is a, you know, it's kind of an aggressive thing, loud thing. Shout for joy in Yahweh, in the I am, O you righteous. Praise befits the upright. Give thanks to the Lord, to Yahweh, with the lyre. That's like a guitar-type instrument. Give thanks with the lyre. Make melody to him with the harp of ten strings. So the, you know these are stringed instruments like a guitar, violins, cello. These are kind of things that are precursor, primitive aspects of what turned into what we have today. And so, you know, this is a verse right here that just simply talks about simply giving thanks and, and, and praising God with melody, with the lyre, with melody of the harp of ten strings. And then it does say in verse 3, sing to him a new song. And I think sometimes uh, we sometimes think the old hymns are what we're supposed to be think, singing because there's something more sacred or sanctified about them. There's certainly some old hymns that have some great lyrics, but they are the new songs of an old culture. Nothing wrong with that. We should continue to sing them, but I think the Spirit of God also wants us to constantly be writing new songs because there's something about when a congregation writes new songs or sings new songs, there's a freshness that comes that the Spirit of God wants and values. And so verse 3 again, Sing to him a new song, play skillfully, Musical skill pleases God. There's nothing wrong with doing the best you can, but the better you can, the better. Play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. So that sounds like some pretty upbeat music. Play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. God loves uh, loud music, not too loud where it does damage to our eardrums, but God loves a good raucous sound, raucous being sanctified in a sense of people praising God and loving being together and rejoicing together. Give thanks to the Lord with a lyre, with a, make melody with him with the harp of ten strings. These are instrumentals and these are musical instrumentals and they are in and of themselves important to God. So what this tells us is that God loves music. God loves instrumentals. God loves different instruments. God made music, and it's amazing how, when you think of it, he really did make music. I mean, notes and the way music works, the the rules to it, the rules to notes, off-key, on-key, 
these are like math. I mean, they're constant, absolute things, and they're part of the fabric of God's universe. And so music is something that God loves. It's part of the universe he created. It's something that he does. There's a verse in the Old Testament that says he sings over us. And God loves music, and music is good for us. And so it's a certain, it's certainly a way that we praise God, and it's certainly a way that we involve ourselves in the worship of God, and it's good for us, it's good for our souls, it's good for us to be uh, musical. And I'm just thinking like Psalm 49, verse 4, I will solve my riddle to the, to the music of the lyre. There's something about music that brings out something in our mind, our brain, literally in our brains. There's been studies on how music wires our brains and fixes the dysfunctional wiring in our brains, certain kind of music. Book I read said particularly Mozart. I don't know why they think it has something to do with the fact that he wrote, started writing so young. And it's 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 interesting. You find other things where like David went when he was ministering to Saul. Saul had an evil spirit, and David would play his harp, and the evil spirit would leave and bring relief to Saul. And I don't know. Just something about it. It's weird. We could talk about that sometime. But it's it's a spiritual thing as well. There's something that happens that's good for our brains, therefore good for our souls, good for our bodies when we engage in therapeutic music. So I think this psalm explains why that might be. So let's take some time and pray through some selected verses and phrases in the remainder of Psalm 33. Again, I just want to emphasize that when you're praying through Scripture, when you're praying through the Psalms, you're not doing a Bible study. So you're not praying through every verse, every Psalm. You're just reading and finding phrases, verses, words, that seem to resonate with you right now, that you want to pray, that you're thinking about. And so don't feel pressured like to, you know, to to do it in some sort of structured way. Do it in a way that you're just using the word of God in a way that resonates with you and a way that connects with the spirit. A lot of times what we have to learn to do is turn we into I, turn him into you, his into your or, you know, our into my, we have to personalize it and talk to God between us and God, between me and God. I'm going to try to remember to pray me, even though I'm, well, I'm aware that I am leading others in prayer. So sometimes I say we, I'm going to try to do it with a me thing, just like I do it when I do it so that you can make my me your me. That's a funny sentence. And so here we go. Uh, verse four says, for the word of the Lord, the word of Yahweh is upright and all his work is done in faithfulness. Heavenly Father, Yahweh, the I am, I come before you and your word, this phrase that is so often said all throughout the scriptures, the word of the Lord, the word of the Lord that you speak, that you have spoken. And what you speak creates, Genesis 1, your spoken word, your decree created a universe and created life on this planet and formed this planet for life and created us in your image. And there is this decree that is yet to be fulfilled, this full realization of the sixth day where we are fully exercising your image and dominion over the earth in a way that glorifies you. 
and co-creates and co-leads with you. And certainly the seventh day of this flourishing on earth, this what the Bible calls rest, is all part of your plan, your decree. And this is the age in which we live between the times of what you have decreed and even what you have accomplished through Jesus' death and resurrection and yet the fulfillment of your decree. And so we trust in the word of the Lord. We see the word of the Lord as dependable. And I see your word, God, as dependable. I depend on your word because the word of the Lord is upright. And all your work, all your creation, but also all the work you do in my circumstances, all the work you have done in my salvation is done in faithfulness. I can trust your faithfulness. I can trust your will. I trust your will for me. I trust in your faithfulness to me. I trust in your word as dependable. Verse 5, the earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. You love the earth. You created the earth and created me to be on your earth. You want me to exist on your earth and I want to exist according to your will. I want to please your will. I want to fulfill your purpose for me. I want to live my life on earth according to your purpose and your purpose for the earth is forever and I forever want to be on your earth, your earth of glory, your earth of beauty that reflects your glory and your beauty and your creativity and your steadfast love. The earth, it says, is full of your steadfast love. Your steadfast love in creating the trees and the beauty of the mountains and the streams and the sunset and the clouds. Your steadfast love that teems with life. Your steadfast love that shows your glory and your beauty. And we know that Jesus has come to restore all things and will come to restore all things with your steadfast love over the earth. And I want to be there. I want to be a part of it now. I want to be a part of renewing, redeeming life on earth and the lives of others. In my life and all the things that my life touches, I want to reflect your steadfast love and trust in your steadfast love. I trust your steadfast love for me. Jesus says I can trust in the steadfast love of my heavenly Father, and so I do. I trust in your steadfast love. I trust in your will for me. I rest in your will for me. I rest in your steadfast love for me. Verse 6, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth all their host. Everything that exists has been decreed by your word and ultimately created by your word. The breath of the Lord, the word of the Lord. That Hebrew word breath also means spirit. And the spirit of the Lord, the breath of the Lord, has created by the word of the Lord the heavens and the earth and all their starry host. Everything in it, everything that lives comes from the breath of your mouth, your word, your spirit, in my life, I see the ways that all my life, your word has produced life in me by your spirit because your spirit speaks life into me by your word. I pray your word now. I pray that by your spirit, you would breathe life 
into my life, into my brain, into my mind, into my soul, into my spirit, by your word, that you would speak and breathe power into me. Let Verse 8, let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. Fear not in hiding like Adam and Eve in Genesis 3, but fear in standing in awe. This is my purpose in life. This is what I want to do forever. I want to stand in awe of your glory, to stand in awe of your beauty, to stand in awe of your wisdom and your steadfast love and your power and to see your power and your wisdom and your glory and your beauty and your steadfast love and to stand in secure but fearful in the awe sense, reverence sense forever. Verse 9, for he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. Your word is dependable. What you say will happen. You spoke and it will come to be. What has come to be and what will come to be comes by your word. I trust what you have spoken. I trust what you have spoken in your word. Your word is the life of your spirit. I want to feed off of your word. Your word brings power into my life. I want to trust in your word. I depend upon your word. I come to you because I believe your word. And therefore, I believe in your steadfast love for me. In spite of how I feel, in spite of the uncertainty of my circumstances, in spite of my suffering and the things that have happened that have been difficult and the circumstances I'm in now that are uncertain and even difficult, I trust in your dependable, steadfast love. I trust in your dependable will. I rest in your will. Verse 12, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen as his heritage. Shalom, joyful. Blessed am I when you are my God, when I don't trust in something else, but I trust in you as my God. You are my security. You are my significance. You are my purpose for living. You are my hope. You are my righteousness. You are my confidence. You are my trust. I trust in your steadfast love. I trust in your word. I rest in your will. I trust in your good will for me. Verse 18, Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love. Again, this is not a fear that hides because it hopes in his steadfast love. This is a fear that is reverence. It's awe. I stand in awe of you. I trust in your steadfast love for me. I stand in awe of you. And I see all of my life in the eye of Yahweh, the eye of the I am. I behold the eye of the Lord on me. Your care for me, your love for me, your power in all of my circumstances, your redeeming my life for your will to exist in your earth and your universe forever. Because Jesus has died. Jesus has risen from the dead, the first of a new creation. I can trust your will. I can trust this is happening. I can trust in the renewal and the restoration of all things because you love your earth, you love creation, and you are redeeming it. And I want to be in it 
and I want to stand in awe of you forever. Hoping and trusting and resting, living, rejoicing, flourishing in your steadfast love. Verse 20, our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name. My soul waits for the Lord. My soul trusts. And even though even now life is not as it should be, it is as you want it to be. And therefore I trust in you, Lord. I trust in your will for me. I trust in your eye caring for me. And I wait for your promises. You are my help. You are my shield. You are my fortress. You are my deliverer. I trust in your eye upon me. Even in time of virus, I trust in your detailed will for my life all the way down to the cells in my body. And whatever happens, I trust in you. I trust in your steadfast love. I trust in your will as faithful because your word is dependable. You are my help and you are my shield. Regardless what happens, I know I am in your help and your shield. And I wait for you, for my heart is glad in you, glad in your presence, glad that you are with me right now by your Holy Spirit, glad that your eye is upon me and you have steadfast love for me. And I trust in your holy name that you are the I am. You are the giver of life. You are the source of all existence. You are infinite and eternal and with me 100% without being absent anywhere else because you're infinite. I trust in your holy name. You are dependable. The last verse, 22. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us as we hope in you. Let your steadfast love be upon me, on me, a weight on me that makes me secure, that is on me and protects me today, forever, in all of my circumstances, in my relationships, in my worries, my anxieties, the things that I have to do, the things that are responsibilities that I need to carry out, that I would do so under the eye and under the care of your steadfast love upon me, that that would give me confidence. That would be my security. That would be my joy and my rejoicing. That would be my blessedness, my flourishing, is that I live now, every moment I can live with the confidence that your steadfast love, your forever steadfast love, your faithful steadfast love, your steadfast love that created this universe, created this earth, created me to live in it, and is redeeming and restoring it in spite of our sin, your steadfast love already in play because you have become human and died for my sin. You have broken through the other side. You have risen from the dead. You have given me the promise of a resurrection. And it's already in play. Jesus is already the first of a new creation. And so your steadfast love, O oh Lord, is upon me. And I trust, I rest in your will for me. I trust and I rest in your faithfulness to me and everything. I trust and I rest that your eye is always upon me. I trust and I rest in your steadfast love for me forever. And I stand in awe of your power and your glory and your beauty and your goodness, infinite goodness, infinite beauty, infinite glory, 
infinite power and infinite steadfast love for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to A Bigger Life, a podcast of The Crossing, a church in Columbia, Missouri. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and give it a rating so people can find this content more easily or consider texting it to a friend or posting it on social media. Thanks for listening.